2: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
3: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This
2: is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork Screen! Yeah
5: And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. Uh, John Paul is on a day off today. So Bernie uh, sitting in for him along with Sadie taking your calls at 1850 And if you are calling the programme today and it is our Sadie who picks up the phone, please wish her the happiest of birthdays because she's celebrating a very special birthday today. So happy birthday to you Sarah, uh, Sadie from all the gang here at C103. And can I start by just mentioning the family of the, the, the lady who was tra- so tragically killed in that fatal road traffic accident that happened in the city yesterday. It seems it was about 10 to 5 Gardaí went to a collision involving an articulated lorry and a pedestrian who was at the junction of the North Ring Road and the old Yawl Road. It was just outside at Mayfield Business Park and we're thinking of her family today um, when tragedies like this at any time of the year they're sad but I just think so close uh, to Christmas so uh, may that poor woman rest in peace but it's her family we are thinking about uh, today and the Garda are appealing for anyone who was in the area from half past four up to five o'clock and if you've got any information particularly anybody who might have had a dash cam footage on their car to please 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 make contact with Mayfield Garda station or indeed any uh, Garda station. Now, uh, just as a follow-on from yesterday, somebody was on to us to say they were wondering about St Joseph's Foundation in Charlottesville and the garden centre that they called into the garden centre during the week big into shopping locally and wanted to shop locally and support a charity uh, to discover that the garden centre wasn't open and there didn't seem to be anybody around and they didn't know what to do and they were wondering was it open uh, or not. We got on to St Joseph's Foundation, we emailed them and they've come back to say that the garden centre is open but it's open by appointment only so you need to ring them on 063 21684 that's 063 21684 make an appointment they'll meet you and you'll be able to get your bits and bobs uh, from the garden centre at St Joseph's Foundation in Charleville and while I'm giving them a mention just to say hi to all of the gang at St Joseph's, their Christmas jumper day is on today they're all wearing Christmas jumpers and they're hoping at the same time to raise some money for their social work department, you know it's an, an internal event but uh, they just asked me if I would, I would give them a mention and only too glad to mention and I know Marsha, my own daughter went off she's in the Mallow Hub of St Joseph's Foundation at the Gilbert Centre and she went off looking very festive this morning in her Christmas jumper so hi to the gang at, at St Joseph's Now the vaccine still getting a lot of commentary in the paper and of course we were talking about the sequencing yesterday on the day before we know that there's 15 individual groups have been highlighted from group number one right through to group, group 15, group number one obviously being the most vulnerable in society and those that are in nursing homes, long term residential care they're going to be the first to get the vaccine. Uh, but now it seems people will be able to self register online when, and then you'll get called when it becomes your time if you want to get the COVID-19 jab this is under plans for a new high tech system which the HSC is purchasing for the country's biggest ever vaccination rollout, a top level task force today are going to deliver to the uh, government the massive plan to bring the vaccine to the people and they're expecting that the vaccine will start to roll out from January. The success of the programme is seen as crucial in ending the restrictions imposed upon this and what we're living under because of this current pandemic. The HSE Chief Executive, Paul Reid, expects to conclude a deal with a technology company to install a system which would allow people who want vaccine to self-register, book a jab and then provide the data and that then will provide the data on monitoring and they'll be able to track who's been immunised and you know how many people have been immunised etc. And the plan is also expected to recommend that they, they will have vaccine ambassadors and these will be members of the uh, public who will be nominated and encouraged Uh, they'll take the vaccine and then they will go on to encourage others to take it because I accept that there is a level of nervousness out there by some people who are afraid of taking uh, the vaccine and I think everybody's fears need to be allayed and you need to make sure that when you're trying to get information on this that you're getting the correct information so the Health Minister Stephen uh, Donnelly says that the rollout will see specific messaging particularly to try to counter the false information. Of anti-vaxxers and there's a lot of false information out there and I constantly say to people, please be careful and if you read something double check it, you know, cross reference it, find out is this fake news, is it false information or is it actually correct and then immunisation centres, they're expected to be set up, GPs and pharmacists are all due to be called upon to provide the uh, vaccine and of course the vaccine will be, it'll be right throughout 2021 It's not everyone's going to get it in the Early stages of it, and the hope is that the self registration system will be in place by early next year. Vaccinations will initially focus on the long term care homes, then the healthcare workers, then it will move to older people in the community, then it will move to uh, key workers, and eventually it will move out across the general population. The first published data on the final phase of the, the Pfizer bio vaccine, described the trial results as impressive and a triumph. And the New England Journal of Medicine, and these are the people, these are the experts that we need to be relying on. These are the papers that you need to read and where you need to get your information from. They say the vaccine has a remarkable level of safety and efficacy, holding the promise of saving uncounted lives and giving us a pathway out of this global disaster. We know of course Ireland we are waiting for the green light for the Pfizer BioNTech uh, vaccine and we're expecting that from the European Medicines uh, Board and of course the US, they're on the cusp now of authorising the same vaccine. It looks like they're actually going to get uh, in ahead of the European Medicines Agency but definitely the nod for when we can start to roll out the vaccine is going to happen uh, sooner rather than later and in the meantime this country needs to be ready so that when When the European Medicines uh, Agency says, yes, it's okay. this is the vaccine that we are initially going with, we need to be ready to start giving the vaccine, especially to those most in uh, need. And Ireland, of course, we still are at high risk. Of a January coronavirus surge. The news yesterday that 15 uh, people had died due to COVID-19, I think came as a bit of a shock. But again, when you look into those figures, 10 happened uh, this month, but 15 were were notified as of 5.45 yesterday. But it doesn't mean that all 15 passed away in the previous 24 hours. The Chief Medical Officer, Tony Houlihan, confirming he will not be going out to any restaurants or socialising this Christmas. Uh, But that's obviously for personal reasons and we know what going on in that gentleman's uh, household. But he did accept that other people may need to do so and will want uh, to do so and will want to go out and meet up with uh, friends. But Professor Philip Nolan, who obviously he's responsible for tracking the virus, he says, now is the time to make decisions about what interactions are necessary and what will pose the lowest risk to you, your family and your friends over Christmas. He said, be Please be mindful that this remains a very dangerous virus, especially for vulnerable and older people. He said we have the know-how... And the determination to keep suppressing the disease. And by doing that, of course, we protect our own family members and we also protect our our friends. And the figures yesterday were 300 people diagnosed with the virus. And that's indicating that the country has reached what they're deeming a stable point. But obviously the objective is to keep it at that level or even if we can suppress it uh, further, the numbers of patients in hospitals. They are continuing to decline. 202 were in the wards yesterday, including 36 people in intensive care. There's no sign of the fall in the intensive care numbers, but certainly the numbers on general wards with COVID-19 is falling. And the R number, the number that we know if you get COVID, how many people will you pass it on to? That's at between 0.9 and uh, 1. And Tony Houlihan also reminding people that as of Today today marks 14 days to Christmas Day and to ensure the safest possible interaction with your family over Christmas you need to consider restricting your movements over the next fourteen days he said risk assess the environment that anywhere you anywhere you're going to be over the next two weeks risk assess it see ask yourself is it compliant with public health measures I mean can you safely say say stay two meters away from people are people wearing mask coverings when you go in and you 're in a you know, an enclosed uh, space. And he said, now is the time to make decisions about what interactions are necessary and which will pose the lowest risk to you, your family and your friends. And that's going to be particularly important. If you know two weeks today, you are going to be sitting around and it's a lovely idea to think you're going to be sitting around a Christmas dinner table with your extended family But in that group of people, will there be older people? Will there be people who are medically vulnerable, who maybe themselves have been cocooning and really looking after after themselves? And if you're going to be part of that group, then from today, you really have to stop and think where you're going to be over the next 14 days so that when you join that lovely family group on Christmas Day and you have a lovely time with your family you will know hand on heart you've done everything possible to make sure that you are not bringing COVID-19 to the table on that day so it is important and, and I certainly know I was talking with a friend of mine only yesterday who has an elderly mother and we were just chatting about how things were going and whatever and she says you know this, you know, she said, this is my last day really out in public she said from tomorrow all of us as a family group who are going to be spending time with her mom at Christmas all made the decision, all of them are limiting their restrictions, none of them are going to have any social outing over the next two weeks, they, you know, do their bits and pieces and go to the supermarket and do all the other bits and bobs that need to be done but they really are limiting their interactions with people and she's in a position that she's able to fully work from home over the next two weeks as well, so I think a lot of families are starting to do that as well, so just bear that in mind it is two weeks today to Christmas Day I am inundated with emails and letters and notes and cards from people asking me to mention items and charity events that are happening, and I will do my very, very best to get through as many of them as I possibly can. But just a quick mention to some that are happening today. For example, the Mallow Arts and Crafts Market, and this is brilliant. It's an initiative on behalf of Cork County Council and the Avondu Blackwater Partnership. And what they've done is they have set up little shops for 29 local artists and crafters, and they're selling. Their their wares now for Christmas. They're in the Town Hall and in the West End Art Studios and they're open Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Uh, every Thursday, Friday and Saturday throughout the month of December so they're open today from 11am until 530 30. and that might be a nice place for you to go and get a Christmas present but it's local uh, artists and uh, crafters. And Skibbereen Country Market they are open today Friday the 11th and again Friday the 18th, half 11 to half 1 in Abbey Stewry Church in Skibarine. Lots of great produce, Christmas crafts, cakes and lots uh, more. And the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in Bantry, their uh, conference. We spoke with the Society of Vincent de Paul this week and we know their need really is uh, great and the gang in Bantry are looking for anybody in that area who would like to make a donation either financially or maybe you'd like to give a voucher. You can drop it into the local office of VDP on five Main. Street in Bantry. They're open today Friday and tomorrow Saturday between 11am and 3. Failing that, if those times don't suit, you can put money or a voucher into a donation and leave it at the there are envelopes available at the church door if you drop it into the parish office or the sacristy at the back of Bantry at Church. And the Mallow Farmers Market are having a special Christmas edition today along with all of the usual stall holders. They'll have crafts, gifts, Christmas decorations, local food and it's in the the Mallow Farmers Market as always is at the car park of the co-op uh, superstores and they're there they opened at nine this morning and they're there until one Bishop of Cloyne William Crane has made a very special appeal for help for the parishes in the diocese as churches have all reopened for worship and uh, Bishop William Crane uh, joins me Good morning to you, Bishop Crane
6: Good morning Patricia. Uh, you're
5: very welcome to the programme. I suppose firstly can I start by asking you, how has the year been for you personally? I mean lockdown, did you find that difficult? How did you cope with all of that?
6: Uh, the, uh, not so difficult, uh, surprisingly. Uh, uh, well, I, I, I coped fine. I I suppose at the office using the technology uh, we were in contact with lots of you know people in different ways, so the technology was in terms of work wise was magnificent, uh, even if it isn't nothing beats a personal meeting, put it yeah, that way, yeah yeah I just on the personal level i i I was look cove is a lovely place, and I was able to walk down to the water's edge and so get a bit of exercise every day and you know so from that point of view. Uh, it was it was fine. I coped and uh, fine.
5: Yeah, I, you yeah. know, I think anyone who was uh, uh, who is lucky enough to live by the sea, particularly when we got to that stage where you couldn't go beyond two kilometres, people yeah. were blessed if they lived by the sea because they had, you know, they had this wonderful facility on their doorstep where they could go go for their walk so so good to know that you, you managed to get out and
6: yeah, about. Yeah and I enjoyed it hugely and if when we could go a little further I'd, I'd go down to uh, Gary Vaux yeah. and walk the beach there and look well that, that's heavenly.
5: Yeah it is yeah. indeed. Now you've identified two needs the first of which I suppose is an obvious one a financial one. I mean I'm assuming every parish in the diocese has suffered financially this year.
6: Yeah, not uh, suffered. Look, everybody has suffered um, on all kinds of levels. Uh, with regard to the parishes, it's directly linked to the fact that the churches were closed for so many Sundays uh, through the year. And, you know, they're dependent naturally enough on the uh, Sunday collections. And uh, so. The drop has been huge. I mean, it's 70% probably, someplace between 60 and 70% probably across the system. Uh, So that has implications. Now, a lot of parishes will have some reserves, but a lot of others won't, you know. So while they will manage in the short term, they will fairly quickly find themselves in some difficulty.
5: Yeah, those reserves will run out fairly quickly. And even though the churches were physically closed for part of the lockdown and then we know they opened for private prayer, there's still costs associated with churches, isn't there?
6: Well, I mean, the very basic one is insurance Maintenance, heating, you know, I, the heating would have been less a factor now in, the, in this situation. But, yeah, there are ongoing costs. And, you know, uh, most parishes will have somebody by way of a parish secretary. Uh, yeah. yeah. There will be other... They, they would have also a kind of a, le- a levy, uh, you know, they'd be supporting the diocese as well mm. uh, because we would be employing a number of people who would be offering services to the whole diocese, to all the parishes of the diocese.
5: And they have to be paid.
3: Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
6: so look, it's a general appeal. People have been tremendous and uh, we just need to thank them for, for their ongoing generosity. Uh, and we never know what the circumstances are in any individual family's life. So it's really a general appeal for those who are in a position to do so. Uh- you know, to offer whatever support they
5: can. Yeah, because it, and I know you would be aware, it is a difficult time to ask parishioners for money. Those that are struggling financially, sure, and and absolutely. that's and you're saying it's to those that, that that have it, because I certainly have heard from people who had their envelopes and who were dropping their envelopes in every month or every week or every couple of weeks. So <laughs> you know, some people some people have been really good.
6: Oh, absolutely, and uh, I mean, we've I've been in touch with the priest with uh, it kind of a, a snap kind of survey an informal thing and uh, people have been tremendous yeah. Uh, yeah people have been very good so you just have to acknowledge that your
5: second appeal this morning is for volunteers to help out in their local churches I'm assuming it's Stuart's and, and is this you're looking for yeah yeah
6: uh, Now, through the, I mean, the lockdown was a very varied kind of experience. Uh, You know, we were closed, we were open, we were closed. Uh, So most places would have had some number of people who uh, basically took on that task of ensuring that those who could gather could gather safely. But we wouldn't necessarily have a huge number in some places. Uh, and particularly in the larger towns, where we anticipate that we will have a larger number who will uh, will be availing of the opportunity for for mass at Christmas time, we there are a considerable number of additional liturgies being put on, and so I'm conscious that there are lots of people who have what I would call COVID management experience okay. uh, in their. Say in their clubs or uh, in their businesses. Yeah. Uh, who you know for whom this is now second nature, and who might be able to assist their own parish community, uh, just for this short period, because this will be a, a kind of an urgent or a uh, a tight kind of period over which people will tend together. Uh, so. It, it's really to extend that invitation to people to consider helping in the. Yeah, way. because and
5: while the weekly masses have been going on now for the last uh, couple of weeks, but that might be only one or two masses sure. at the weekend. You can't expect those volunteers to cover all of the masses because we know I've mentioned a few parishes here who are putting on extra masses. So it's it's people outside of the normal volunteers that we, we want those people to uh, step forward. And how are churches coping? Uh, Bishop Crean, what are you hearing uh, with, because we know there's going to be a limit on the number of people who can attend Mass and there's probably not going to be enough Masses for everyone that wants to attend this Christmas.
6: Sure, uh, and I'd say despite our best efforts it won't be possible for everybody who would wish to be uh, at a Mass at Christmas time to be there. However, uh No, we've had conversations with individual priests, and priests have had conversations with their individual parish pastoral councils, and the responses have varied hugely. Uh, There will be maybe some who will opt to, say, go online, but most parishes have opted to uh, offer as many opportunities as possible. Now, in doing that, uh, that has been a a certain amount of tension in that, you know, will there be tickets or how is it going to be managed? Different parishes uh, have made different options. Uh, And really, I found with the discussions that it was clear to us that no one kind of policy or prescriptive thing from the centre would meet the variety of needs that individual communities have. So, individual places have made different options. And what we have, uh, what I've advised, is that whatever schedule you put in place, be sure that it's well advertised, mm-hmm. and to use, say, the print media in your own and the parish's own communication systems to get the message out there. Uh, that uh, the uh, you know what the schedule is, because what you
5: don't want is on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, people turning up at a church without a ticket and not being allowed in. And I don't no. think any priest wants to have to face that.
6: Yeah, and I think that was one of the greatest fears that uh, priests expressed, and the people who were uh, committed to doing some stewarding. That I don't want to. If we will
5: well, that's true. The overseas uh, visitors and people—some people are opting not to travel home this Christmas. Yes. They'll stay wherever they are. So, yeah, that—that—that that, uh, that is a good point. And are we still limited to fifty in each church, or does it depend on the size of the church? I mean, you've got the cathedral in Cove, For example.
6: Sure. Uh, now uh, we are limit w- the recommendation is parts of fifty. Okay. Uh, so.
5: The for the larger churches.
6: For, for the larger example, uh, the cathedral and cove uh, can accommodate three parts of 50. Okay. So that would mean that, you know, uh, in fact, slightly more than that, uh, so that we could accommodate uh, 150 plus at each liturgy. Uh, now, there are a number of churches in the diocese of that size, but with smaller churches, you know they are limited
5: and that 50 n- number rule will, will be in place
6: sure and in fact some buildings will be of uh, you know some of the smaller churches may not even be able to accommodate 50 you know if yeah. to observe so there may be some parishes who will choose
5: Okay, and that's why we do know that some, uh, some of the parishes but the majority are hoping to try and go a run with the liturgies but some of them are going online and they, they have made uh, their own decision. Here's a lovely text in from a listener saying Patricia while you have Bishop Crean on there seems to be so much bad news out there at the moment I'd just really like to take the opportunity to thank all of the priests but in, uh, and in particular the tireless work of our own priest for the winter in the parish of Bantir. He really made a huge effort in looking after us safely as possible, his parishioners, which I see firsthand during this extraordinary difficult year with extra masses, etc., and he's doing it to accommodate as many as safely as possible. Thanking him from a local parishioner, which is uh, really nice, and people I think really uh, do appreciate the priests and and the extraordinary year. That the priests of the parish uh, has had um, Bishop Crean. and we must remember some of those priests, particularly the older priests, who have been cocooning to make sure that people check in on them and that they're okay.
6: Sure, and uh, one of the th- I'm delighted to hear that. Uh, uh, very positive message uh, about Father Winters and it doesn't surprise me because he's so dedicated but it is true of so many of the priests across the diocese and I have uh, acknowledged that in a a personal note to them. Uh, The adjustments that they have made is, you know, it's been it's very heartening and encouraging to to witness people's appreciation. Yeah, yeah. the the older men, uh, you know, they were cocooning and they are being very careful. But many of them, uh, when I checked with them, you know, after the lockdown, in terms of their participation, that they wanted to engage with people. You know, that while they were uh, they. Uh, experienced the lockdown and observed it, uh, that once it lifted, they wanted to be back engaged with people because that's where they felt the... The purpose and meaning of their life. Yeah, uh, absolutely, realized.
5: absolutely. And I know we were calling out the masses that are in Donegal have a huge um, uh, number of masses in in their uh, churches, and I, I couldn't get over how they were doing it. And it turned out they have two retired priests who are going to step up to the mark and say masses uh, over Christmas, which sure. is which is fantastic. And um, Bishop Queen, your own plans for Christmas? Where, where will you be this Christmas day?
6: I, I always, uh, I. I, I Cove is home. Okay, Uh, and I I I spend it here, and usually a colleague of mine uh, from another diocese and my brother, uh, who's a priest down in Kenmare, uh, we we share Christmas dinner here, and uh, I don't prepare it. Okay, (laughs) Claire Claire does all the necessary, and she leaves a list of. of instructions and I just bang it into the <laughs> oven and press the button. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and you haven't made anybody sick yet so it all works out. Well done Claire. Well done Claire. Well listen Kim we wish you a very happy and a peaceful Christmas. It's always a pleasure to have you on the program uh, and thank you for joining us today
6: and Patricia thank you for having me
5: God bless mind yourself look after you look after yourself that is uh, Bishop William Crean who is the Bishop of uh, Cloyne and we send down our best wishes to all of the priests of the parishes all of the the diocese right across uh, Cork they have had such a difficult uh, year and they're coming into their busiest times so please people be kind to your local uh, priest and to the people who will be helping them out on the day at the masses if you lucky enough to get a ticket as somebody said it's almost like a lottery this year to get a ticket but if you're lucky enough to get a ticket but if you're not please be understanding we are living in the middle of a pandemic we've got uh, Bernie taking your calls along with the birthday girl Sadie don't forget to wish her happy birthday if you're calling today 1850 333 103 you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103
2: Court today on scene 103 call Patricia with your comment 1850 333
5: 103 Jim making it Interesting point. What well, a strange world we are living in. There's an All Ireland final happening this weekend. Nobody clamoring for tickets because there's no tickets. Uh, there were no nobody at it, and yet we're talking about getting a ticket to go into mass. It's the strange world uh, in which we find ourselves in 2020 for sure.
2: This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103.
5: By the way, it's National Slow Down Day. This is a campaign that's organised every year by Ungar the The operation began at seven a.m. this morning, and in the first two hours, 128 vehicles were detected travelling over the speed limit. And Ungar the have issued some of the examples: one motorist doing 97 kilometres in a 50-kilometre zone that was in County Waterford. There was another driver driving 94. Kilometres in a 50-kilometre zone. That was on the Commons Road here in Cork, in County Cavan. A motorist was detected doing 123 kilometres in hundred mile in a hundred-kilometre uh, zone. And latest figures, of course, show the number of people caught speeding on Irish roads increased by 26% compared to last year. The figures from the 1st of January to the 31st of October this year show 151,055 motorists were recorded as uh, speeding. And of course, we know that speeding can and does lead to uh, deaths on our roads. And so far this year, 137 people have been killed, which is an increase on 9 compared to the same time last year. I mean, for the entire year of uh, 2019, 140 people died in road-related incidents. The National Slowdown Day will finish at 7am tomorrow. The Gardaí say the objective is not to catch people, but it's to reduce the number of speed-related collisions. It's just tried to save lives and it's to reduce road uh, injuries. As part of the operation, the 1,300 highly Visible speed enforcement zones have been set up around the country, and guardia are conducting speed enforcement checks nationwide, so you have been warned, please, please, slow down on our roads. okay, some of your calls and texts coming in we 've got a listener looking for help, please. This listener is in the McCroom area and urgently needs help. They need somebody to install a bottle gas Cooker, And we have this lady's telephone number. They did get on to somebody locally who isn't available to come to them. The only person that they know locally who doesn't isn't available to come to them until the new year. Now, here's a a family that can't be without a cooker on a time of the year when you need a cooker more than ever. So a shout out, please. Anyone in the McCroom area who can install a bottle gas cooker? please, uh, if you can make contact with us here and we can pass the details on to this lady who's urgently in need. There's got to be somebody out there and I know people are very busy and work trades people are very busy at the moment uh, but this is a kind of a really good will. Uh, we need to try to help out this uh, woman and get her cooker back up and running but it's, it's a bottle gas cooker that she needs to have installed. Anybody can help on that one please or if you can point us in the direction of where we can go to try to get help for this woman. 18 5333103 Bernie and Sadie taking your calls or if you want to text me here directly uh, we can contact you at 103 103. Uh, 3 I was speaking with Bishop Crane in the last hour, putting out an appeal in particular looking for stewards to help out at mass because many of the churches across the parishes are trying to put masses on for Christmas Day. Not all of them will, so you do need to check locally and you also are going to try to need to get some kind of, they're all doing different ticketing systems as to how they're going to allow people to come into the the church. It's quite a difficult time for all of the priests. But Nora was on to say that she goes to a small church and they There is a man there, a volunteer, obviously, who cleans the church. But Nora's problem is that this man never wears a mask when he's cleaning the church. And she also says she feels a bit uncomfortable as she reckons they have more than the recommended number of people that's allowed in a church. And the man who cleans the church without wearing his mask, also at times gives out communion. And Nora says, because of that, some of us are afraid to go to the uh, church. Well, what I would say, and I will pick up on what Dr. Tony Houlihan said yesterday, you need to risk assess every environment that you go into. And Nora, if you feel uncomfortable in that church and that you don't feel safe, either go to another church or do your praying at home and get your mass online. There's a personal responsibility on all of us that when we go into a situation, you have to take a look. If you're not feeling comfortable, it's the same with any retail premises. And, you know, all of the shops are doing their very, very best. Same with the restaurants that have just opened. They're all doing their very best to try to make it as safe for everybody and to try to, to make people feel as safe as they can. But you can't account what other people are going to do. It's like when you go into a supermarket and all of the supermarkets are limiting the number of people they allow in at any one time. We're getting so used now to queuing outside a supermarket and you either wait for somebody to tell you you can go in or you wait for there's a traffic light system, you wait for the light to go green and then you go in. But when you get into the supermarket, you'll have people who might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable they're standing too close uh, to you. And again, it goes back to personal responsibility. Move away from that person. If you're in a situation somebody doesn't have a mask on, move away, leave the premises. And I would say, say the very same thing, Nora, if you, that gentleman obviously trying to do his bit, he's helping out and he's volunteering. I don't know why he's not wearing a mask. Maybe there's a medical reason that he's not wearing a mask. I've got, no, I don't know the gentleman. I don't know where the church is. But if you're afraid to go, then simply don't go. You have to look after yourself. You do your risk assessment. You think it's too risky. Go to another church or, as I say, do your praying at home. Go uh, online. 1850 333 103. We are going to be talking about the Belfast bus, the bus where people go to get their cataract operations uh, done. And actually... We might try, we won't get to it today, we might try and see if we can get to this next week. Councillor Ben Dalton in Carrigaline, who's also involved with organising people from his area to go on the Belfast uh, bus, uh, says just to dispel the myth that, while in the main, it's older people suffer with cataracts and need to go for cataract operations. It isn't always older people. He had somebody, a 50-year-old man, a welder I don't know, was it because of his trade that he ended up getting a cataract or not but this 50-year-old gentleman went last uh, week and had a very positive experience but he went and had his cataract done and actually Ben has passed on this gentleman's contact details and telephone number. We'll see we're not going to get to it today, maybe see if we can try and get to it uh, next week. And then Pat in Riverstick was listening to us talking about the the Belfast bus that we're going to talk about in this hour and he said I went on that bus I went to Belfast last Tuesday for my cataract operation now Pat says I was half blind going up and this morning I can see a good two miles ahead of me he said it's the greatest gift he has ever received he said it's better than any Santee gift he's ever got in his entire life best thing that ever happened to him and he said the staff were amazing Ah, happy Christmas to you Pat that's a, a lovely story and there are so many other people who have had that cataract operation done either having it done in Belfast are lucky enough to have it done locally will tell you the difference that it makes to somebody's life is absolutely incredible. And Mary's been on just to give out a word of warning uh, to people. She says she spotted what she described as a gang of organised beggars getting out of a big fancy car in Mallow. She says she contacted us to say uh, for people to please be uh, careful. And we've always been told for people begging on the street. And I know if you're in the, the city more than, more than the county towns, you'll see homeless people begging and it's just heartbreaking. But you will also see people who are recognized as organized uh, beggars. They live in, I don't know how comfortable their homes are, but it's almost like their job to them to be out on the streets begging. So just be very careful. It's your hard earned cash. And if you do have money that you want to donate, keep in mind the likes of your local of Vincent de Paul, because they're the ones who get to the people that are really needy are the Lions Clubs. I think they're still collecting as well. There's many local charities who who will take your money from you or take your vouchers or whatever you want to give and they'll get it to people who are really in uh, need. It's frustrating when you think that people are professional beggars uh, almost. But anyway, Mary reckons that's what's going on in Mallow. Keep an eye out. 1850 And I think a number of people will welcome the news that new legislation to make it a more serious offence to steal a family pet is being drafted by the government. It's a cross-departmental ministerial team and they're looking at measures aimed in particular at cracking down on dog theft and unfortunately the stealing of much-loved dogs has become rampant during the pandemic. We have never seen so many pets and dogs being uh, stolen. The team, this new team has been led by the Minister of State James Brown and they're examining whether new legislation or amendments to existing law can be used to issue more severe punishments. One proposal being looked at is the introduction of a standalone offence for stealing a companion pet or a support dog. Another option is to amend the existing laws that are there to make the theft of a dog an aggravating factor when they go before the courts for sentencing. This could mean that dog theft would then be heard in the circuit court rather than the district court and it obviously would come then with a much more severe penalty. The options are being considered at a high level meeting which included Minister for State James Brown. we also involved as the Justice Minister Helen McEntee and the Agriculture Minister. The ministers are also seeking to roll out an awareness campaign because people don't realise that they could be committing an offence. If you buy a dog from a non-reputable service you could actually land yourself in trouble. The minister said there are existing laws in place around micro chipping dogs and there are also penalties for receiving stolen goods so if you in good faith pick up on an ad that you see either online or in the paper wherever you manage to see it and you decide to buy this pet this little pup or the dog or whatever it is and if that dog is stolen you are basically receiving stolen goods so you could end up finding yourself in hot water even though you in all good faith was just purchasing a dog you were unaware that it had been stolen and the existing laws treat pets the same as any other property stolen and it doesn't take into account the emotional attachment between a dog and their owner and something really needs to, uh, to be done uh, about that. I mean it's hard enough if you have your mobile phone stolen or your house house gets broken into or some item of property gets taken from your car that's difficult enough to contend with but the emotional attachment between a much loved dog and an, an owner there literally is no comparison because your phone if it gets stolen can be uh, replaced the item even items taken from your, from your house in many cases and that's a huge sentimental value but in many cases they can be replaced but a much loved dog you can get another dog but it'll never be the same as the dog that was stolen so I think a number of people will be happy to see that and would be all in favour of having harsher penalties To and by having harsher penalties it might act as a deterrent to crack down on the theft of uh, pets. 1850 333 103 Sadie and Bernie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
2: See 103 Jobs.
5: Ingredient Solutions they're based in Boghobwee they are looking for a junior office administrator while a Delhi assistant is required to work in the Toker industrial estate and Robert Tyner, horse racing in Kinsale they're looking for a racehorse exercise rider and a stable and some stable yard staff and the Monscour hospital in Cork they're recruiting at the moment for a cardiac psychologist for the for a maternity leave contract You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: C103.
5: Now, the front page of this week's Southern Star newspaper leads with the story of a row over the cataract buses which are organised between West Cork and uh, Belfast. One of the main organisers, of course, being independent Dáil deputy for West Cork, Michael Collins, who joins me this morning, along with Fine Gael Senator Tim Lombert, who says Michael is scaremongering at the uh, moment. Uh, good morning to you, gentlemen, and you're welcome to the programme. Morning. Morning, Michael, let me start with you uh, first. You're organising as many buses as you can between now and the end of the month. Are you simply fearful that post Brexit this scheme will stop?
3: Certainly, uh, Patricia. We um, have been. Made, it's been made quite clear to me, in the Dáil, and to my colleagues, and to other TDs throughout the country, that are using the uh, using the service that we have taking people uh, to Northern Ireland for either cataract procedures, hips and knees, that this may end um, on the last day of December. We have no guarantee in place for this to to continue, other than the guarantee that Senator Lumbert stated in the Southern Star uh, that was published yesterday. And I am delighted if Senator Lumbert is, is correct, and maybe he can clarify as to how he has got that information his other colleagues haven't got that information
5: today. OK let me bring in Senator Tim Lambert what leads you to believe Tim that this scheme will go ahead from the 1st of January
3: Morning Patricia Good
5: thank morning to thank you
7: much have you on Um, First of all, I think this goes back to how we've actually managed the Brexit process over the last four years. And the full implementation of the protocol between Northern Ireland and Ireland has been the key issue in how we're actually going to move this forward. And this is about common travel area. It's about sharing healthcare services. It's about how we're going to share this island going forward in this new Brexit scenario itself. And because of that protocol that was put in place, the full implementation of it was even discussed yesterday in Clareburn show by the Minister of for Foreign Affairs Simon Coveney, and you into detail about that protocol guarantees cross border health care. It guarantees the ability for people, in particularly on the northern half of the country, to actually access health care and vice versa regarding people from Northern Ireland coming to the Republic. It also gives free movement of people and free movement of transportation, which has been a huge issue in particular for the people in the northern half of this country. And this is what we've been trying to get clarified. And there is clarification with a protocol that was put in place nearly a year ago. Without that protocol, in the next literally twenty days, we would be building a kind of ring around Northern Ireland if we had a hard Brexit. And look, let's be honest: we're in a very, very serious now that it could be a hard Brexit, and it could be a really significant issue. And for our I, I, but
5: isn't that the danger, Tim? If it is a No Deal Brexit, yes. Are you saying the protocols will still remain in place even absolutely. if there is
7: absolutely those protocols? Otherwise otherwise the doomsday scenario without this protocol is that you don't have that free movement of people you don't have the ability to access healthcare north and south and all those issues have been agreed and the british parliament have agreed to this i think the minister or the president of the european parliament last week actually announced it as well and if you listen back to claire bourne show whatever like on on another channel yesterday the minister of foreign affairs went into exceptional detail regarding clarity regarding where this protocol is. without that protocol. But
5: why why is nobody then speaking to the people that are operating these schemes? I mean I have a letter in front of me from the Kingsbridge Private Hospital where the cataract uh, operations in the main uh, go on and the CEO there is saying that they tried to get clarification from the HSE and they have confirmed as of the 10th of September that I, uh, that the hospital have not received any confirmation of the arrangements for patients in 2021 and therefore for that reason we're advising patients that they won't be eligible to use the directive well, after the 31st of December.
7: And I can't comment on what I'm a CEO of a private hospital in another jurisdiction is saying because I had no interaction with him. All I can really talk about is what, what we did Yes, last week when it came to the Brexit Bill that came to the Shannon where we discussed these details at Lint we went into the actual how, who and what and what was involved because we needed to get clarity because people needed to know what was happening and it's very unusual for me as a personality to be so kind of direct about my feelings regarding an issue but I just thought we needed to get clarity on this. It affects people in definitely my part of the world in Cork,
3: but it affects the entire country as well.
5: Okay, Michael, are you scaremongering by putting well, on these extra buses? Yeah, Everything well, will a, be fine in a, the new year.
3: That's what Senator Lumber said. I was uh, grossly, grossly sorry, irresponsible, scaremongering, and reckless. But, uh, Patricia, I have had interaction with all the hospitals in the north, even up to 5 past 11 last night, to see had they got any clarity, and they hadn't. Right, number one. I've had interaction with the HSE. I've had interaction with the Taoiseach on the 6th of October. In a leader's questions, I asked the Taoiseach, and he said, we must avoid having people go to the, travel to the North for cataract uh, and to open a cataract theatre in Cork, we fully agree with that. But he said, in the meantime, we are trying to develop a bilateral agreement so that people requiring surgery can go north. Minister Phelan on the 25th of the 11th, 20 in a topic of the questioning him, he said the cross-border as we know it will no longer apply from the 1st of January. He continued to say Minister Donnelly and his department have been carrying out extensive examinations of a possibility of setting up an unrelated cross-border type arrangement. He said this work is detailed and complex with many legal issues and is ongoing with a view that it might be retained. Mm-hmm. When Mr. Donnelly replied to me last week, said the same thing, and only yesterday, and it can be seen in my Facebook and anywhere. Your leader, Senator Lumber, your leader, not me, not anybody else scaremongering or shouting, said in a question I raised in the all, but you do? He said the cross-border director scheme, uh, which, and I asked him would it continue that you know the people that were going for cataracts and procedures going to continue his is, I can't give you a clear reply as I would like to as some of these issues are being worked out we are trying to put an alternative arrangement in place to retain the status quo when it comes to cross-border health care and he said this has not yet been worked out and um, when, when did he say that?
5: When, when yesterday, yesterday
3: to one. No, and, you no refer back. Two, and There's one that there's one of two things here, Senator. It's either you're not aware of what's going on because there has been agreement on cancer patients going from Donegal to Derry and for um heart patients going from Northern Ireland to the south of Ireland. that is an agreement, I accept that. But you either are not aware of what's going on in relation to the cataracts and the C B D sphenos there, or else the T-shirt, me Martin, Minister Feedon Minister Donnelly and T-shirt, sorry, Leo Varadhyay have been misleading the it law. It's one or the other. OK, so let's, in, let, let's him back in.
7: You, yeah, thank, thank you very much, Neil. And I think, do you know, all I'm trying to do is bring clarity from my work that I've done in the Shannon and particularly through the actual Brexit bill process that came through the Shannad last week. I think there's actually a separate paragraph within that that mentions the actual buses itself and the running of the buses regarding the protocols going to Northern Ireland. So when you actually take into consideration that it's actually mentioned in the protocol, the activity of buses going to Northern Ireland to go access private hospitals, that is the reason I came out so strongly on this. Very rarely do you have a piece of legislation that actually even mentions such an activity. We had that regarding the Brexit on this bill. I was involved in that in the Shannon last week. And, like, you know my personality. I'm not one that kind of jumps up and down and goes mad about things. I'm kind of, you know, monotone. This was something that we just had to get clarity on because there's huge issues coming down the line of Brexit, whether it's farming, fishing, tourism where our actual industries are going to go these are really serious issues that we have to start grappling with in the next 20 days because like when I was even talking to Covenix people in Brussels a while ago we're very very unsure where the next 48 hours are going to go and we really and, are.
5: and I think that's what worries and concerns people we don't know where we're going to be if there is a no deal Brexit
7: And if we Having a no-deal Brexit, a hard Brexit is probably the best thing we're going to have now at this stage, the knock-on effect you'll have for West Cork industries, whether it's the car whether it's the fishing industries, whether it's the tourism industries, is going to be beyond belief. It's very hard to describe it. And we had a COVID issue over the last eight or nine months. And because of that, Brexit wasn't discussed, unfortunately, to the degree it should have been. But we are literally to the pinch point now. And it could literally go the other way. And I think that is a real scenario for us. Okay. Let me back in.
5: But Michael, are you taking any comfort from what Tim is saying?
3: I will take no comfort whatsoever from Tim or any other deputy until I hear that there is a scheme in place. His own leader said yes, so there isn't. And um, the leader of our country on the sixth of October said there isn't. The the, the 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 senior minister for health last week said there wasn't. And Minister Fieland, um three or four days in a topical question, said no, there wasn't anything in place. But they're trying to put something in place. I respect that, and I respect the taking the of time. T- 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 Patricia, uh, I looked at my list yesterday. I have 151 people that need to go on art uh, to, to, to Northern Ireland for cataract procedures. Lift. I will be able to take 14 on the 20th of December. There is no more clinic space available because this is not Michael Collins, as as Senator as Lumber saying, acting irresponsible. The whole country is flushing north at the moment in the worry that it's been because they all know there's no clarity there. Common sense listening to any, all these days that I give you are all on my page. So I, so well, I can, and I can see I, a lot of
5: people are contacting us saying, you know, people who've been on the bus, who had family members who went up north, and um, saying that they don't, they'd be blind today if, if it wasn't for it. And, Tim, isn't that in itself, isn't there something wrong that we are even sending, in the main, elderly people on a bus to Belfast for a procedure that takes 20 minutes?
7: Oh, I concord totally. And that's why we're delighted that the actual Sutton firmary development is actually moving ahead and within the next eighteen months we'll have two cataract um third two cataract uh, Theatres up and running inside the Southern Infirmary Complex. It's taken too long. Yeah, but to get it's up a lot of people can't it, wait, Tim. I agree totally, to, and it's taken an awful long time to get that up and running. And look, I would have worked with Colin Burke in particular to try and get that up and running in the last six months. We've got a few million euros together to actually solve this issue. We should never have had the scenario that people had to go to Northern Ireland to get these cataracts done. There should have always been a, a backup plan in place when the backlog came. But at least now we have something in line that we're going to have in the next 18 months two cataract theatres put in place inside, in the, sea, inside in the South Infirmary that are going to be dedic- are dedicated towards that, which will solve the issue. OK, we can
5: and, and we, we can't part. wait for the day that that, that opens. And in I'll the meantime, Michael, regardless of what Tim is saying, you're the people you're dealing with at the hospital in Belfast, Kingsbridge, are saying... We're not taking any more patients from you because we don't believe the arrangements are in place.
3: Well, they're, they're saying to, to us that they're genuinely at capacity. Uh, they're almost going 24-7. They've given me one more clinic space, so I'm taking my list from 151. Don't but know, they
5: won't give you any dates for the new year.
3: What they said is the only arrangement that the HSC are accepting at the moment is if I book somebody in um, and they accept that consultation uh, that they might mail out two buses in January, but that's only on the basis that they're booked in in December. But I cannot get any more space this year. Bar to but is it, it
7: space uh, is the issue, or is it the HSE not funding it? The HSE will not fund it, so I, it? I think, like, if space is the issue, it's a different issue now, Michael. I think no, 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 like, no, the no, real no, issue no, here no, now has to be about making the protocols... The protocols that we to do very, very...
5: One voice, gentlemen, one... Just an an
7: issue protocol. I never
5: gentlemen, 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 we're getting nowhere. One the voice. The okay, one, one, one voice, Michael. Is, is it, okay, there obviously is a capacity issue this side of Christmas in, in Kingsbridge. Uh, yeah. Will they accept patients into the new year?
3: Patients, as long as the HSE will uh, give them the reimbursement, the HSE has said, if you book me uh, in
2: December, we'll accept maybe two, uh, maybe both 14, 15, 16 patients in January. But okay, after that, if, there people, is if people if no people no
3: longer in place and they can't fund it up. Okay, that. so and that's that's, that's
2: clearly that's, and that's
3: what the minister has said, that's what the teacher has said, the Tarnish has said, and Senator Lumber. Okay,
5: and you're okay. disputing that, Tim. You're saying that if somebody goes in January. And books I'm in I ask he, him
3: the
7: question. I think Michael was raising the issue that they were going doom in January which was an issue with capacity. He mentioned the word capacity. I never mentioned it. OK, that well word. that's
5: this side of Christmas. That's but but of are, you, say, are you saying, Tim, that if my granny needs a cataract operation in February I will be able to go in February to the HSC and book her into Belfast?
7: If the protocols that are in place that I have read are implemented, which they will be, that'll, that's exactly what will happen. But
5: there's an if. We need oh, no, to no
7: if. The if is the implication of the protocols have been announced. They were announced 12 months ago. They've been implemented. I think Minister Coveney was on another show last yesterday going over the details of that. So you got to take that into consideration. And that implementation of the protocols allow for cross-border activities. That activities is healthcare and other issues. Because if we don't agree with that protocol, literally what we're going to say is in the next 20 days... We're going to be building a ring around Northern Ireland, having border controls and having no cross border health OK, we're, gonna
5: ha- we're just going to have to wait and see as to what happens. Uh, Tim, thank you for that okay, and, and thanks it. for joining us. Uh, Michael, can you just want to have you on the line. Um, I heard something yesterday that you said...
2: Ready to pop the question? The jewellers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
4: Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com,
5: code PROGRAM. When you were asked, would you take the COVID-19 vaccine? And you said no
3: no I wasn't actually I I, I think the media reports are, are, are wrong there what I said was and I'm quite comfortable with that um is, is that I need to know um uh, the basically the ingredient of what I'm taking no one in this country should automatically run uh into their doctor's clinic or wherever these these vac- vaccinations would be uh, would be administered and just take it for the sake of taking we need to know and we need clarity. Everyone, every media person that rang me, that's exactly that so again. Okay, and I, I, I
5: heard charity. that. That's what I heard yesterday. I heard you saying that you need to know what the ingredients are. I googled what are the ingredients in the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. It's all over the internet. You can find out exactly what is contained in the vaccine. Uh, uh,
3: Patricia, what I'm saying is, number one, uh, I mean, look, Pfizer's Pfizer, you know, they're going to sell the product they're going to make.
5: Millions of millions of euros no and, these are no, these are, no, united, no 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 don't say that don't say that there, there's very yeah. clearly scientists and immunologists who've been working on this people who've got nothing whatever to do with and Pfizer yes, who have signed sure off of on this and they know every single ingredient that is in those vaccines
3: and remember one thing Patricia the people that have been uh, working on this usually takes eight 10 years to work on a, so- a vaccine like this. All of a sudden, it's, it's come before us within six or seven months. Yeah, but and, I've also...
5: Hang on, now, hang on, now, on, hang on. on hang I'm, I'm, sure I'm going to fact check you on that. I'm going to fact check you on that because I also looked into that and the reason that they've managed to get a vaccine out so quickly was the scientists and the immunologists were already working on a SARS vaccine and we know that the coronavirus is a form of the SARS vaccine. They then just diverted all of the knowledge that they had and put it into the coronavirus. That's how they managed to get it out so quickly. So you can't say they suddenly just did it in a few months. They didn't. They've been working on it for many years. And my so go on, your what, next point.
3: Sorry, my decision is going to be based on what my doctor or my medical people will will, will, um, will advise me on. But I also made it very clear to the media that there's 25% of people in this country saying they're worried or they don't want to take this. And I've said that the concentration of the government should be on that 25 to try and bring it down to 15 to 10 till the if there's fears out there. Because I never mention any of the years that might be up there any fears out there to make sure that that 25% doesn't go up to 40 or 50%. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying I won't it and I would, will never have absolutely anyone people have to make up their own money they can't be forced to take it or they can't be forced not to take it either from, from
5: anyone. No, else oh. I, I accept that but I think people need to get the correct information arm yourself with the correct. knowledge so that when you do make the decision because if we look back on I heard of a professor yesterday who was giving some kind of a conference and he put up on a slide he was showing back in the early 1900 The amount of people that were dying from infectious diseases like diphtheria and um, TB and polio, all of those have been eradicated because we have a vaccine. Vaccines work. We have to get out of this pandemic. We have to save lives and vaccines are the way to go. But you need to arm yourself with the correct information.
3: And that's, that's what I all think saying okay. this, the government, I, I'm all advising right. the government, okay. I'm dealing with the government through the door. Well, when it was Make just sure it was- there's 25% that are worried out there. There's a lot of them, we'll never take it, no matter what, we can't do anything, but I put this, there's 25% of people saying out there, they are worries. There's definitely 15 percent of them could be brought out that worry factor.
5: Well, don't we need seventy to eighty percent of us to get herd immunity, and then we'll be able to protect the ones that don't Seriously. want to take it. Okay, absolutely. okay. Listen, listen. It was just just when I heard you saying you didn't know what the ingredients were. It's very easy to find out the ingredients. Anyway, listen. I'd that coming we from we, a medical
3: professional. And I, well, I that's take what, that I take that advice from my
6: medical people. Yeah, absolutely. Going, going and I'm, I'm sure
5: your any any medical expert will go through it item by item for you. The information is there. It. Listen, good luck with your buses to Belfast, yeah, they're so a important. A happy Christmas to you, a, Christmas to you as well. Bye bye. And a lot of people saying only for Michael Collins and Danny Healy Ray, there would be a lot of people go would have gone blind around this country. Well done to Michael for all that he's doing. 1850 Our lines are open. Or
2: today on Scene 103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now at
5: the start of lockdown earlier in the year, I started to follow on Twitter for Former RTE slash BBC television executive Helen O'Rahilly, as she was cocooning with her 90 year old aunt in Dublin, and the tweets were just so funny. I kept thinking, there's a book in this somewhere, and I'm thrilled to say the book has just been published to discuss the Stairlift Descends. I'm joined by Helen O'Rahilly. Good morning to you, Helen. Good morning. And, and every time I read your tweets, I could almost, in my mind, imagine you when you had the hashtag "The Stairlift Descends." <laughs> um, I, I, do you know what I? Do you know what I think it is? I think everybody knows somebody like your aunt.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's what's. Hit. That's why it's so. It's so popular. Um, it was. I used the stairlift descends because it was a, usually at night on her way up to her bedroom. She'd get on the creaky ancient stairlift. Which made lots of groaning noises and took a long time to get up, and she'd shout out her last either re- the review of the day or my tasks for the next day, <laughs> and they'd be they'd be as boring as Helen. Don't forget to wash out those bins, <laughs> and that would be the last the last shout of the night. And I'd bury my hands in my my head and my hands in the kitchen, you know, and um, so that that became a sort of Twitter history. Uh, with loads of people around, you know, who are also in lockdown. And they they also that sounds like my ma, that sounds like my granny, you know.
5: And she's um, always right. And I'm starting to think, does that come with age? Is that something that's ahead for all of us, that when we hit a certain age, we're always right?
1: Yeah, I think it's the lack of a filter. You know, she just doesn't have <laughs> that filter anymore. And, you know, she as she said, I'm 90, I don't care anymore. So that sort of niceness, politeness, the way we, you know, step around a subject or anything, that's gone. And
5: was she always uh, like that?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, my (laughs) mum, my mum, who sadly died last year, was very like that. I take after my mum. And then actually after my mum died, my aunt Monica, she she now allows her name to be used. She was the sort of quiet, retiring, shy one behind my mum. And actually... She's now, she's now just like my mum. She's, she's completely full on. Uh, and now with a bit of publicity, it's all gone to her head. <laughs> because she, she practically has, we had an Irish Times article done uh, 10 days ago, and she practically has it laminated and has shown it to the milkman and the postman every morning, you know? <laughs>
5: because you never gave us her name before the book came out.
1: Well, that's what, that was the proviso. When I said, could I put up some of our tweets on Twitter, she said, as long as you don't use a photo of me or my name. So I stuck absolutely with that. Kept her kept her absolutely just known as the aunt. And then what happened miraculously two weeks ago, the photographer for the Irish Times was coming, in and I said to her, he wants me to, to, shoot, to, to take a photograph of me and the stairlift. And she looked at me, she said, what about me? And I said, well, you didn't want your photograph taken. And she said, oh, God, no. She said, sure, now it's a book. You know, she actually had the book in her hand. She said, I want, and she said, you're not getting all the limelight.'" <laughs> <laughs> and it is
5: the Irish Times, after all. Of course yeah, I'm going to be in the course. Irish Times. I tell so, you, the one tweet that really touched me was the night she called you by your her sister, your late mother's name, and you, di- right. and you didn't correct her.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, we, we were all a bit, let's face it, we're all a bit sort of challenged, shall we say, and a bit confused during the first lockdown. It was a worrying time and a tiring time. And she was going up the stairs one night, and we just had a, you know, bye bye, night night, sleep sleep, and then she went good night, Emer and my, I actually had to take a deep breath because she called me my mother's name, yeah. and I didn't, I didn't say no, no, it's Helen, I just said good night, yeah. and you know, it was so sweet and so poignant. Um, so I put that in as well. I and mean, uh, the thing is, the thing is about the book is I didn't want people to think I was making a joke about COVID because it's been so hard and very difficult for many people. And it's not. It's about surviving the, the pandemic and surviving together as family. And, you know, uh, many people have had much tougher things to survive in the last 10 months with people in care homes and so forth. It's just about the wonderful human nature of, of people. And this is an unusual sort of relationship. I'm back after 30 years in London. She was always a great friend to me when I was a teenager. And now we meet up and we're, I'm living with her as I look for a house, to buy a house in Dublin. And we're two different generations living cheek by jowl, and these wonderful little interactions kept both of us going me kept me going as well, you know
5: and um, it also what struck me was it the role of the carer and how frustrating at times caring can be
1: oh absolutely absolutely um you know there are I'll be honest with you that there will be days i I went to bed with tears in my eyes, you know, just because it was a whole new world to me and I didn't know how to do it, mm. you know, um, and I've learned and I, I, I've learned patience and consideration.
5: Well <laughs> done, well done. And here. Well she, yeah. she loves her style and she loves her shopping.
1: And she loves her little medicinal glasses of <laughs> in the evening. She does. She loves, it. she can't wait to get Cork, by the way. She yeah. loves Cork. Great. And she gives out to me that she's never been to the English market so that'll be a day and a half. Okay. Um she she loves the trips to Arnott. Now, she's a great browser. She's not a huge buyer, you know. She's not some wealthy, as we call them, Fox Rock fannies up here, you know. Um, she's She loves to go into Arnott, have a great browse, have a cup of coffee on her Danish pastry, and then another long browse. So it's been weeks and weeks and weeks since she's been there. And, you know, hopefully, as I, as I promised her, you don't make much on books in Ireland, on royalties. But we get enough to buy her a winter coat, and uh, yeah. that planned for Christmas. So we're really looking forward to the next trip.
5: Yeah, but like, and when she was when she'd be heading out there, like the hair had to be done. You know, she wasn't going oh, out yeah. with her hair in the state of it. But...
1: Oh, not at all. That's being done on Monday now with <laughs> her long her long term hairdresser. Of course, who's been shut. And only after Monday can we plan the trip because there is no way she'd go into town now, the city, without having the hair perfect.
5: And her reaction to your cats was an absolute scream. Oh. You know, letting on, she didn't like them, but secretly she loved them.
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, sure, she, she wanted me to leave one of them. And then when I said, but you're bending down and I'm worried that you lose your balance and all this, and I had to give her a list, a list of all the negative things about cats, about, you know, they might poo on the carpet, <laughs> they leave hair on the sofa, and they, <laughs> You know, and she's like, "Oh, well, maybe you're right." And of course, every time I go up there, she goes, "Where are my cats?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "They're all with me now in the house." You can come down. She's coming down to, to Christmas uh, for Christmas to me. And she sent to me one of my last uh, stairlift descent tweets a couple of days ago. Of this is all of them are true. There's nothing added, nothing taken away. She said, "You're coming to pick me up for, on Christmas Eve." I said, "Yes," yeah. and I'm staying with you Christmas Day. And I said, "Yes," and and I'll be staying with you on Stevens' Day. And I said well yeah and and then I'll stay until the sale's open <laughs> I was like mother of God she's moved, <laughs> she's moved in she's moved in and know? I
5: saw you on Twitter last night people want would like there's a lot of people would like to send her a Christmas card obviously you can't give out her name and address but if people right. would she like
1: that do you think oh God she'd be absolutely thrilled would absolutely she? thrilled <laughs> um, she's, uh, you can send them to the O'Brien Press. In yeah. Dublin, Dublin Six. Uh, and we'll get the, uh, yeah, the, the, the They get. Six. and it's
5: Monica. We now know her name. It's it isn't, Monica. it isn't yeah. just the aunt. And can I say, you never cleaned out the bins for her. You got Panda to do it in the end
1: don't don't say that loudly. <laughs> I mean, would you would you like to get the dishwasher out and do three fetid bits? She was trying to guilt trip me because of the neighbours and said say the neighbours would be checking her bin. I said, yeah, you know, people talk. They do, they
5: oh, do. They do. I oh, listen, know. it's 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 a delight. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous little book. I highly recommend it. Keep tweeting the tweets because 'cause they're great too, Helen. And it was a real, real pleasure to talk to you today
1: lovely to talk to you bye take bye. care happy Christmas, happy bye Christmas
5: bye. to you bye bye day. the lovely Helen O'Rahilly and the book is called The Stairlift Descends Tweets from a Covid Cocoon It's published by O'Brien Press it, it really if you've been following Helen you'll know how delightful uh, those tweets have been the book is gorgeous 1850 333 103 we're going to take a break we have news at 12 midday on the way in the next hour we have Fiona Corcoran our senior news reporter we sent her off to a t- Turkey Farm to see how they're getting on at the busiest time of year. So we'll hear Fiona's uh, report and of course it also is uh, Friday. So uh, we'll have movie suggestions for movies to watch over the weekend with uh, Mark Malone and also we'll catch up with your calls and uh, comments. Sadie and uh, Bernie taking the calls at 1850. 333 103.
2: This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cross screen
5: Anne in Ballantampa says, hi, Patricia. Delighted to hear that they are considering bringing in new laws to protect our animals. And this is what I was talking about, that they are looking, the government are looking at new legislation to make it a much more serious offence if somebody steals a pet dog. And it seems it's been drafted by the government. So Anne is welcoming that. Uh, Anne said, personally, I know the law I would use, but I wouldn't be able to write it down here in a text. Best news today. Thanks very much. Keep up the great work. Thank you for that all uh, and someone else says, "All I want to say is all animal lovers are delighted that the government are finally doing something in regards to dog theft and also other cruelty to animals, but it just seems during the pandemic for the theft of much loved pets became rampant, and we know we had an explanation for it. so many people in lockdown and so many people working from home decided." Suddenly they were at home all day, nice time to get a dog. So they were looking to buy pups, they were looking to buy more mature dogs and they were going online. And of course, the, the, the breeders, the illegal breeders and the people who run puppy farms couldn't keep up with the amount of demand that was out there. So some people decided to be very unscrupulous and they're criminals, that's all you would call them, and decided, well, we'll steal dogs and we'll steal them to order and that's how we'll uh, make our money. So just be careful because you also, by buying a stolen dog, even though you didn't know at the time, you still are, there is still a penalty for receiving stolen goods. So they're looking at that as well. We need to start making deterrence to stop. People wanting to steal dogs, knowing that there's a market there uh, for them. That's why if you really want to give a dog, not before Christmas... Obviously, if you really want to take on a dog, go to one of the animals, animal shelters, because there are so many animals in need of a home. eighteen fifty three 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 one o three. Okay, Mary, uh, this is to do with air. Uh, uh, hi, Patricia. Our daughter rang air about no broadband. Uh, They fixed it last Saturday at 1pm. Guess what? The broadband is gone again today. She needs it because she's working from home. She was on the phone waiting for 51 minutes and 56 seconds well, there you go, says Mary. That's the 10-minute wait that they say. You'll only be on the phone for 10 minutes. It's scandalous that they can get away with this. We're so fed up with air. Happy Christmas to everybody at C103. Uh, thanking you. And that's from uh, Mary. And uh, Mary, so many people when we do issues around air, they say they're getting better at their customer service. And yet we'll get a message in like that from somebody 51 minutes and 56 seconds listening to some some music I'm imagining and a voice coming in please hold your call is important to us it just and particularly for Mary's daughter who is trying to get work done is working from home and needs the broadband and probably I don't know if she works for a company probably has a line manager breathing down her neck saying come on what's happening where's your broadband you thought you got it fixed why isn't it fixed very very frustrating okay a number of people on reacting to the uh, Tim Lombard and Michael Collins, and the interview that we did in the last hour. This is to do with the cataract buses. And will those cataract buses still be running from the 1st of January when we are into post Brexit? And nobody knows, really. Nobody knows what Ireland will look like post Brexit. And if we have a post Brexit without a deal, ah. I mean, we haven't a clue what this country is going to look like. Mary says, very disappointed with Senator Tim Lumbert's statement on the Southern Star as I wa- watched our Thornish yesterday basically make the statement statement that they weren't sure if this cross-border initiative would go ahead uh, if not. So Michael Collins was correct in everything he said. If Senator Lumbert did half the work of Michael Collins, he might have been elected as a TD rather than being a senator today. That's from Mary in Bandon. Somebody else says, Michael Collins who works so hard for the people of West Cork and he's done so much to get people to Belfast this man should be getting an award for his Trojan work what is Tim Lombard what, what would Tim Lombard leave his home at 3am in the morning in bad weather that's what Michael Collins has done just to look after people well done uh, Michael somebody else wants to know what did Tim Lombard do for elderly people someone else says only for Michael Collins and Danny Healy Ray a lot of people would have gone blind and then on WhatsApp can Michael Collins talk without sh- shouting? He is just like his friends down in uh, Kerry. Well done to him though for organising those buses but we all need to stop and listen sometimes as well and I did that's why I tried to interject to say one voice because I know how frustrating it is when I listen to other radio programmes and you've got everybody roaring and then me interjecting throws a third voice into it so I did the best that I could. Uh, Patsy feels why didn't Michael Collins go into government maybe he'd be able to have made more uh, more of an impact if he was actually in uh, government. John in Bantry says um, oh that's on uh, okay and this then is on COVID. John in Bantry says that if Michael Collins got COVID he'd be more than willing then to get the uh, vaccine. John would have absolutely no hesitation at all in getting the vaccine if it was offered to him. Jack says I'm with Michael Collins on this one I disagree with this vaccine we don't want to repeat of the polio vaccine and I don't really know what you're talking about a repeat of the polio vaccine polio vaccination eliminated polio which if you remember in the if you read your history in the early 1900s it was epidemic proportions with uh, polio and finally because of a vaccination it was finally eliminated from the Western Hemisphere. There's still pockets of it in I'm told in Afghanistan and Pakistan and that's one of the reasons why polio vaccination is still recommended worldwide because of the risk of imported cases. So I don't know what you're speaking about when you talk about a repeat of the polio vaccination if you want to uh, clarify that uh, please please and then, hi Patricia, well done for challenging Michael Collins on his views on the COVID uh, vaccine. While Michael Collins is a good man, but on this occasion you might have saved a few people from the disastrous effects of of COVID. Well, it's and, and you know, I, I, after the interview, I didn't mean to and I hope I didn't I'll have to listen back to myself. I hope I didn't raise my, vo- my own voice because I don't like doing that. I was just trying to get my points across uh, to Michael because I think Michael Collins is a great rural TD and he's a man that who is listened to and he's a man that, you know, people will take on board his views. And I just feel, particularly with this pandemic and particularly with this vaccine, you need to read up as much as you can and get all of the information because there is so much false information out there and there are the anti-vaccination crew who will constantly Peddle misinformation about the vaccine, and you will have people who, just because they read it somewhere, will believe that it's true. And therefore, I think we all have a responsibility, and you know, people in power have a responsibility to get the correct information out to people. Because we've all been vaccinated, we were all vaccinated as babies, and because of that, what we were just talking about there, polio, we don't have polio in this uh, country. We've almost eliminated TB from this country. That's because of vaccinations, and we need a vaccination in order to get rid of the coronavirus and you know when when i on a personal note think of vaccinations i live with a child who is deaf blind now because obviously marsha wasn't born to me i don't know if she was a rubella baby or not But we do know that one of the main ways of a child being born deafblind is because a pregnant woman comes in contact with somebody with rubella. And that's why, since the MMR was introduced into this country for measles, mumps and rubella, we don't have babies born in this country deafblind because... People inoculate their children and there isn't outbreaks of rubella. And that's such a fantastic thing. And what a fantastic gift you can give to anyone is to give children Mises, Munson, rubella, knowing that you are not just protecting your child. Now, rubella in itself, as a childhood illness, you're sick for a day and then and then you're OK. But you don't know when the child is breeding rubella. Would they come in contact in a supermarket um, at a play date with somebody who is pregnant? And then that woman can go on to have a child who's left blind. And believe me, I live with the reality of what it is like for somebody to live with a dual disability of being deaf and blind and you wouldn't wish that on anyone and for that reason I think vaccinations are so so important and anything that we can do certainly on this programme to try to get the message across to people how important vaccinations are and I read up all on it all of the time and I cross-check and I cross-reference and if I see something I'm not happy with I'll double-check it and that's why I, I wasn't calling out Michael Collins on it. But it just when I heard yesterday that he said we don't know the ingredients, we do know the ingredients. They are clearly there for anyone to go online and see if it's the ingredients that you're worried about in a particular vaccine. Anyway, that's my rant over. 1850333103. Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103.
2: The C103 Cork Diary.
4: With Cork County Council. Celebrate a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at Corkcoco.ie.
2: And a
5: reminder to you that the Christmas Candlelight Concert that normally takes place in St. James's Church in Mallow. Obviously, because of COVID, they can't do it this year, but they're doing it online and it's on tonight at eight o'clock. You simply go through the Mallow Union of Parishes Facebook page and you will be able to virtually watch the Christmas candlelit concert. And due to COVID restrictions, the guy, the band can't visit schools, nursing homes and community groups this year, but they're having a virtual music concert. Uh, concert and that's available every Friday at twelve noon on their Facebook page, which is Facebook dot com forward slash on Gardashia Corner. And St Vincent de Paul is holding its giving Sunday Church Guard Churchyard collection at all masses tomorrow Saturday and again on Sunday in St Mary's Church and the Church of the Resurrection in Mallow because of reduced numbers allowed to attend masses Christmas donations will also be accepted during business hours at their pre- premises in the Osama Centre on New Road in Mallow and that's up to and including Wednesday the 23rd of December and somebody wants me to give out the Facebook account again where the Christmas candlelight concert which is Happening tonight. You go onto Facebook and it is the Mallow Union of Parishes. The Mallow Union of Parishes. And that concert is due to start at. 8 o'clock uh, this evening and thank you to I don't have any name on this but a gentleman called to the door and he's, uh, and his mother had sent the mother sent the son to hand in money to give to Aidy Roach of Chernobyl Children's International I remember Adie joined us on the programme during the week absolutely heartbroken that for the first time in 20 years the children from Chernobyl will not be coming through the gates of Shannon and Dublin Airport and we also have those gorgeous scenes because the camera crew it's always on Christmas week and the cameras. Crew go out and Santi leads them out and there's so much excitement as they've been reunited with families many of them have been coming for many years to the same families and they're almost part and parcel of the families and families are devastated because they're not coming uh, this year and they're doing their bit now to try to get to try to bring a bit of an Irish Christmas to the children of Belarus particularly the ones that are in uh, orphanages and they have a container ready they, they, it has to go by sea they've had problems in that they can't send it the traditional way so they were looking for funding that's what Adie was talking about to cover the cost of sending it and if they can get this one container shipped and if they raise enough money they have enough items that they could possibly even send a second one which would be great and um, Adie had said at the time if people got money into me I certainly will get it on her so just to say thank you to that lady it's all I know it's a lady from somewhere in North Cork I've no more details than that just to say that your son arrived and thank you for your very very kind uh, donation. Now let's stay in a bit of some festive news uh, because Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter throughout the month of December is doing little packages where Fiona gets festive and today she's looking at turkey sales in uh, Cork. She spoke to some free range turkey farmers she also spoke to some turkey sellers on the English market and she also spoke with some customers about what they'll be having on Christmas Day.
0: Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without the food and here in Ireland we love our turkey. Last year we spent over 13 million euro on turkey at Christmas and orders
2: for this year are flying high. So the orders have been very strong this year and people started ordering in August this year which was um, unprecedented because of the year that's in it but I think people wanted to get rid of this year as fast as they possibly could. Denise Healy
0: of Healy's Free Range Turkeys in Carrigg Navarre has orders for more than 1,000 turkeys.
2: She says people are looking for good quality meat this year. I think since lockdown people kind of... um, have started cooking good quality food again and have gone back to their local butchers, Mm. which, you know, which is fantastic because people appreciate Irish, good quality Irish food. Um, That that turn needed to come. And are people
0: really looking for smaller turkeys this year? I went to the English market and asked Tom Durkin of Tom Durkin Meats and Tim Mulcahy of the Chicken Inn. That's not just talk, that is a fact.
2: Everyone wants small turkeys, which we're struggling to get. Again, our our turkey orders a lot of them are in already.
8: I suppose people are realising as well that there is a bit more value in the turkey um, where like a six, a nice six kilo turkey would feed seven or eight adults um, whereas before people were conscious they just wanted a big turkey.
0: I also spoke to some customers about what's on their menu this Christmas. Do you know what? For the first time in 30 years we've been invited out but um, I suppose usually we would if, if we had been at home it would have been probably the traditional turkey but it didn't stop us from having um, lamb on other occasions you know.
1: My husband would love roast beef but it's turkey and ham and that's it and spiced beef. And
0: what is it about turkey and ham and spiced beef that
1: you love? It's about the only time I ever do it. Traditional Christmas dinner, um, turkey, ham, all the trimmings and then trifle afterwards for dessert. Have you
0: ever tried anything else?
1: Um, I lived in Japan for a number of years so on Christmas we usually had sushi or sashimi so it was something different. (laughs) Did you miss the turkey Yeah, just a little bit, yeah. But you got used to it after three or four years, so, you know, it was very nice coming back and having my first Christmas dinner again, so I really enjoyed that.
7: We do carp with a potato salad, then cabbage soup with a sausage. Where
0: are you from? Slovakia. Is that a traditional Christmas dish then? Yes, it is, yeah. I am chef, but I never did turkey.
7: We did goose, but,
4: uh, yeah, so which is very big. And it was only for two persons, so... We had like uh, too much for too, too many days, and we don't have such a big oven as well. So this is why uh, turkey or this type of things are not like like super suitable for us.
0: Tim Mulcahy has some tips on getting the perfect turkey.
8: In my opinion, is not to overcook it. Uh, there's one way to ensure you don't overcook a turkey, and that's to use the uh, temperature probe. And I cooked the turkey until it got to 80 degrees. Uh, I don't know how long that took, because I wasn't interested in time, all I was interested in is uh, temperature. And it worked out very well, I melted a pound of butter, I got some muslin and I soaked the muslin in the melted butter and I just laid the muslin on top of the turkey and I got a beautiful golden finish Nice buttery flavour on the top of the turkey.
0: And for a turkey producer like Denise, what does she enjoy most about the business?
2: Oh my God, um, it's just a bit of banter at Christmas. It's my Christmas. I love the banter, I love meeting people. I grew up with it at home myself, so my parents started me on this um, <laughs> trend of, of turkey farming. Um, so I suppose I owe it to them, uh, even though I cursed it when I was younger. And here I go now. But I absolutely love the banter at Christmas. It's, it's my Christmas. There, there you go
5: and thank you to Fiona I'm really enjoying her her festive uh, Fiona gets festive packages they, they really are great and it is all about the turkey, isn't it but that, it, that's really interesting to hear the turkey seller saying so many people this year are looking for the smaller turkeys and that's got a lot to do with the amount of people that are going to be around the Christmas table this year because people are having less people and there's still there'll still be big family gatherings where they'll want the huge big turkey that you nearly have to wedge into the oven but I reckon there is going to be a short supply of smaller turkeys. I don't know how people are going to get around it because nobody wants the waste there's enough waste I think around Christmas. I mean in our house I'll be looking for a turkey for two people because <laughs> I've got there's two will eat the turkey and then two that won't eat. There's four at the table. There's two vegetarians and two meat eaters. So it's a, a turkey for two people. So I'm definitely looking for a small turkey this year uh, as well. And you just can't have Christmas. You can't have Christmas without turkey. And there's something about the smell of turkey when it's cooking as well. I, I, I think it's, it's fantastic. And thank you to a listener who sent this in St. Christian's Inform you about a scam. And I love people keep us informed about the scams because the more scams we hear about and the more scams we tell people about. The hope then is that you'll, some, you might get involved in a scam or you might receive a text or a call or an email and you think, oh, did I hear that on the radio? Or, I, I heard it while passing and it just might make you stop clicking on a link. Uh, this sister says, my husband got an email from AIB last night and it said that there was a €3,000 about to be taken out of his account. And if you agreed to this going out of the account, then you needed to click on Go into this website and follow the instructions. Now this listener, bit of a Miss Marple about this listener says, I told him straight away that's a scam and don't click on it. The reason I knew was the email was from my own personal account and my husband's name isn't on that. So there's no way that my husband's name could have been on that particular account. So I knew immediately it was a scam. That's from Jeannie. Well done Jeannie and well uh, spotted. Yeah and if you look at some some of the emails you know look at it you know make sure that the little the locked sign is on it as well. Most of the scam emails don't have that little your little padlock sign because there's the, we had one during the week as well of a, a listener who got a text message from their bank. This turned out They stopped a scam. He got a text message from it was Bank of Ireland saying €5,000 is about to go out of your account. Do you approve it? And he immediately contacted the bank to say absolutely no way jose i'm not doing anything where 5000 euro is going out of my account so he was but he got alerted by the bank i think the banks are really on top of it as well but you do have to be careful with the emails and clicking on a link and then of course you know what happens they they will get genuinely into your bank account and they will clear it out so please be careful 1850 333 103. bernie and Sadie are taking your calls and you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103
4: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed
2: Cork Today on C 103 Patricia with your
5: comment. 1850 333 103 well, I'm Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you're keeping it very festive. We've got two Christmas uh, movies, uh, starting with Mel Gibson in The Fat Man. And the second is a Christmas offering called Noel. Let's start with a trailer from Fat Man.
6: There's a number of our youth for making poor decisions.
0: Yeah.
2: What's the job? I'd like
4: you to kill
2: Santa Claus. This is what people actually think of. I'm looking for the fat man. You can't be serious.
6: I've come for your head. You think you're the first?
5: (laughs) I'm assuming Mel Gibson is a hitman who's trying to kill Santa Claus.
4: No, no, no. He is actually Santa Claus. Oh, is he? uh, Okay. Yes. Now, I should point out, yeah, these are two Christmas films, but these are two very, very different
8: okay. <laughs> Christmas
4: films. Um, Batman is a 15 third, very violent, and Noel is uh, kind of a typical, more in the kind of uh, the way in which you'd expect a Christmas uh, film to be from Disney and is all sweetness and light. This isn't, so I want to make that quite clear. This is not a family film, the second one is. Okay. Um, and it's also kind of so he they don't really refer to him as santa they refer to him as chris because it's very much kind of a twenty first century kind of um uh, uh santa Claus because he he doesn't live in the north Pole he lives in canada um he doesn't wear a big white sort red uh, colored suit he just basically wears a kind of an old jacket his um, his workshop is in a barn just outside of his house. Uh, there's no colours there. It's kind of just kind of dark and kind of a bit kind of grimy. He, he He's a hard uh, smoker. He drinks. Um, he shoots guns. So it's a very, very kind of different portrayal of Santa as we've seen in the past. But uh, deep down, he still cares. He's still Santa Claus. He cares about uh, people. He cares about the kids uh, that he supplies uh, toys for. And he does as
5: deliver he, toys at Christmas. He, he, he does. does. Okay. In
4: a really clapped out old sled, which is okay. kind of just basically kind of put together with little bits of kind of wood and he gets shot at a lot of the times but he's flying across by these misbehaving uh, kids. Okay. And and so he's a very kind of embittered and he's very kind of, he's lost all of kind of his mojo because of what's happening because more and more kids as it's referenced in the, in the trailer are, are, are misbehaving. And, um, and so because of that, he doesn't produce as many toys because he gets a subsidy from the government to produce a, a certain amount of toys. But as he points out to them, he says, look, kids are misbehaving more. And what happens with a misbehaving kid, a, a naughty kid? What do they get in their, um, in their stocking?
5: A lump of they get, coal.
4: They get a lump of coal, and that's yeah. happening more and more often. So, so the government come back to him and said, okay, look, you can, we'll give you your subsidy, but we'll also give you a little bit more if you work with the military and if you, um, get your elves to, uh, produce military military weapons. And of course, at first, this is completely against all of his politics, and of course he doesn't agree, uh, but he has to, to keep, um, to survive. Uh, he has to agree to do that, and uh, the the scene where he tells the elves this actually is very, very kind of sweet and um, and very emotional. In the meantime, we meet this little boy, uh, who's, um, I think some of the reviews kind of refer to him as precocious. He's a horrible, horrible little brat and a sadistic little brat as well who lives with his uh, dying grandmother who's very, very rich and he uses uh, her money to pay a hitman who terrorizes, basically, his local area to so that he can achieve uh, whatever he wants to achieve. Now, he is a naughty child, so on Christmas morning he gets a piece of coal uh, in his stocking, so he decides to vow to um, revenge against Santa because of that. So he hires the hitman, to kill Santa, um, and the hitman himself too has a grudge against uh, Santa because he, as a child, didn't get a uh, toy that he too wanted either. So it's a very, very, very different take on uh, the, 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 you know, the Christmas story. We should point that out. Um, if you remember, there was a film a couple of years ago with Bob Thornton called um, Bad Santa, yeah. uh, which also worked and again was very adult, but that wasn't so much violent, I think, as um, as a kind of comedic. Uh, this is actually really, really quite violent. And there's a lot of kind of bloodletting in this film. So I want to make that quite clear. It is a 15-cert. But it does, for me, it does work. A lot of critics didn't really particularly like it. I think they were kind of shocked by the violence and thought it was kind of inappropriate. But look, the film tries to do something a little bit different about the story. Mel Gibson, whatever you might think about him personally, is very, very good. He could be phoning it in at his time of life now, but he doesn't. He gives it an awful lot of emotional impact. Um, Walter Goggins here plays the uh, the hitman, and is absolutely terrific. It's a very low-budget film. And for that, of course, when you've got a low budget, you have to concentrate on script and performance. And that's what the director's Uh, do here the two brothers which is um it's quite a kind of a common thing nowadays a lot of brothers are making movies together and for me it worked it's a really weird piece though about uh, 60 minutes into the film there's about a five minute kind of um sequence where they bring a lot of comedy into it and it becomes very sweet and it becomes like it almost like a traditional christmas movie and i'm wondering did they do that because for the next 20 minutes there's just blood letting everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's incredibly violent but it works and I was hugely entertained by it. And I, you know, I applaud for what they were trying to do. But just be very, very careful. Don't sit down with the kids to watch this.
8: And yeah,
5: and I certainly don't think it'd be your Christmas Eve, you know, when you pick your Christmas Eve festive movie. I wouldn't be picking it for that. Uh, nope, uh, certainly not. <laughs> okay, it is called uh, Fat Man starring Mel Gibson. Mark it out of 10? I'll give it 8. 8 out of 10. Okay, now, and this, uh, the next one, obviously, is to do is Noel. And Noel is, is, it Sa- is Santa's daughter.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is a film. This, is, I mean, I recommend this for, you know, the family to sit down uh, in front of uh, the TV on Christmas Eve because this is a beautiful film. It's lovely. It's Disney. And it's the kind of thing that Disney do completely, um, you know, so, very, very uh, well. And they yeah. All, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's a complete contrast to, uh, you know, uh Batman And let, let me make that quite clear. That doesn't mean to say, just because they're very, very different films with their very different attitudes, that they can't be both
5: great. Yeah, Absolutely. In, in,
4: you know and and that's the case here um, Anna Kendrick plays Noelle who is Santa's sister Uh oh, Santa's sister daughter daughter, part. daughter. No, no, okay. part. Yeah. she's Santa's daughter and Santa's decided to retire and of course he passes the hat on to his son uh, and um brother here played by Bill Hader but the thing is is that he doesn't particularly want to be Santa he just doesn't feel as though he, he has the magic he doesn't feel as though uh, he has is he that old enough or mature enough to be able to take over the role as Santa whereas of course Anna Kendrick feels as though that, that she does she feels more Christmassy she feels as though she's got the magic within her but obviously the decision has been made, and so she can't go against that. And, of course, as they approach Christmas Eve, Bill Hader, as the brother, is kind of rather depressed and decides to take a little bit of holiday and goes to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, which is quite funny. And um, he decides <laughs> to set up a um, a yoga centre there just before Christmas Eve, and, of course, uh, that causes terrible eruptions. And so Anna Kendrick decides to take an elf here, played by 86-year-old Shirley MacLaine, uh, along with her uh, to go to Phoenix to try and get him back. And there you have a kind of sequence which is kind of very like Elf where she's kind of out of her kind of um, comfort zone. She's in a very different place. She doesn't understand the traditions of um, of life outside uh, of um, of Lapland and outside of um, uh, her normal household uh, within the kind of with with Santa. And so, and that, there's a lot of humour there and that is really, really, very really, really funny. And this is a very different film in the sense from the first film. This is all brightness. This is all light. This is all, uh, you know, uh, reds and greens and, and a very, very bright colour palette. And it is funny at times. I mean, it really is. It's very, very sweet and it's exactly the complete difference to the first film. And, uh, this is a film that everybody can watch and enjoy. It's funny. I'd like to have seen a little bit more of Bill Hader. I'd like to have seen a little bit more of, of Shirley MacLaine. Um, you know, it's got that kind of feminist message. Why can't Santa be a young woman? You know, as she is in Arizona, she finds that, you know, all of a sudden she doesn't realize it, but she can speak different languages. She can, um, she can, uh, sign. Uh, She can do so many things that Santa um, has been doing for for, for so long and she realizes then that she is uh, possibly... uh, she had the magic to be Santa and so it's got that lovely kind of feminist message but it's not driven home I mean it's not kind of um, it's not apparent to all the time and uh, I, I thought it was very very sweet I watched it with my wife who watches a lot of Christmas movies <laughs> she's, she's one of those ones who watch the Christmas movies at the Christmas channels around July yeah so I, 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 see,
5: I, I can sit down at any time of the year and watch a Christmas movie I know it doesn't float everybody's boat but I, I certainly can do that always puts you in good mood
4: yeah and she's you know she's kind of an expert in these movies and I was kind of a bit worried to kind of w- if she'd like it or not but uh she turned to me and said look I thought it was very good uh, I shed a tear so did I and uh <laughs> and she said I'll give it 8 out of 10 and I said yeah I give okay. it
5: 8 out of 10 our, that comes highly recommended and it's called you know well where's that where where are both those movies available by the way
4: Okay, I downloaded um, uh, Fat Man from Amazon okay. Prime. It's not too expensive, it's about five ninety nine. Some of the movies, uh, so it's some of the kind of more kind of modern kind of more expensive movies can go up to about nineteen ninety nine. I think The Hunt cost me nineteen ninety nine, which was quite expensive. Uh this one, Noel, is on Disney
5: Plus. So. Is on is on Disney Plus. Okay, and so that you're marking that eight out of ten as well. And we yeah. lost um, the wonderful Barbara Windsor. Passed away or uh, overnight, the, the the star of the uh, East Enders, but the Carry On movies. Well,
4: the Carry On movies is what I would have known her from, uh, rather than East Enders. I, I I don't really kind of watch EastEnders. so yeah. I mean, she always played a kind of a very kind of risky kind of blonde kind of bombshell parts uh, in the past, and I know she kind of tired of that after a while, and then she kind of was almost kind of uh, every time you know you you wanted a kind of a sexy blonde. Uh, Then she was always given those parts, and then she became kind of tough cast as that. And I know that kind of frustrated her, but then she turned it all around in East Enders. I mean, what I saw her in East Enders. She was a very, very powerful
5: actress. And, uh, she, she, w- she really was uh, incredible. And there were so many of those carry-on movies that, you know, I was, I was reading stuff about her the, this morning before I came uh, on air and, and, you know, they were saying like one of her most famous scenes was in 1969 when she was in carry-on camping and her bikini flew off in the middle of an, ex- an excise class. Like, that was 1969. That was really risky stuff to be doing. You know, and also in the top of her bikini, but it was risky stuff. Um, well, yeah, exactly,
4: and uh, yeah, the, the, the other thing that, to keep in mind is that they would make these films, because they had to make them as cheaply as possible, they'd make them in January, and so it was freezing, you know, <laughs> so they'd be, they'd be in bikinis, and if you look at, the, actually, the ground the ground was covered in mud, and of course, she would have to pretend uh, that it was really, really warm, but actually, they were all terribly frozen, uh, but you're right, it was a risque scene, yeah, but um, it became a very, very famous scene, and still is. Of course, from a personal point of view, of course, as well, you know, of course, uh, she knew the craze, and uh, uh, which is... I, think that, I mean that's fascinating I mean that whole kind of other side of her um, and, uh, which is fascinating and uh, it's well worth kind of reading up about her
5: and much loved it's, it's the one thing the outpouring of love since the announcement has been made has been just incredible
4: and, of course, the other thing about her is that if you want to who do you think you are, she has a background in Cork. If you remember, at the very, very end of it, she's standing on the shaky bridge because, of course, she was a huge fan of Danny LaRue, who was a Corkman. And actually, at the start of the show, she said, oh, I hope that there's some Irish in me. I hope uh, there's some Southern Irish and that, uh, you know, Cork is involved. And it was. She oh, has, uh, I missed
5: that. I didn't see that. that. Her ancestors came from Cork, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. OK, I saw David, the comedian David Walliams, um, you know, his tribute and saying goodbye to her and he said, you were my first love as a child in the Carry On films and I love you forever. And that's how so many people, you're right, remembered her as we were growing up in those Carry On movies. OK, Um. thank you for that, Mark. Have a lovely week and uh, we'll chat to you next Friday. Talk to you then. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. 1850 333 103. Somebody said Barbara Windsor, late Barbara Windsor now is descended from Skibbereen. Some Jim and Doris. Thank you for that, uh, Jim. I must watch that programme I hadn't seen it and I love that. Who do you think you are? I'm assuming it was the BBC one. I'll see if I can track it down or maybe it's now that she's passed away. They may show it again, but I'll see if I can track it down. Thank you for that. Someone says, Hi Patricia, was Simon Celebrity sees one? I missed the 9.20 one because I had to go to knowledge. Uh, no it still hasn't been won it's still with us because uh, so and he says it has to go by Christmas <laughs> so I keep getting I'm asking him to keep dropping hints so hopefully he will OK that's where I leave you for today some Limerick people are saying wish Limerick good luck some Water people are saying wish Water for good luck so good luck to both teams at the weekend and please everybody celebrate safely my thanks to Bernie and to Sadie for working on her birthday thank you for that uh, Sadie for taking your calls we are back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon onto The Line. Patricia Messenger look after
2: yourself and stay safe.